Hi, I'm Pastor Kaylee. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Wood Street Chapel in Fortuna, California. You can find out more information about our church at www.woodstreetchapel.org. So it is great to be back with you all. Thank you to everyone who was able to kind of help keep things rolling last week while we were away. This morning, we're going to be continuing our study on the book of Daniel and what it means to have courage in the midst of chaos. The, the last time we were in the book of Daniel, we were actually hearing from King Nebuchadnezzar, and, and he was really giving us his testimony. He was, uh, you know, giving us his seven-minute Sunday, if you will, um, about what had to happen in his life, what God brought about in his life or allowed to come about in his life to correct certain behaviors, to correct uh, certain thoughts and assumptions that, that the king was dealing with in his life. And, and this is actually the, the last section that will include King Nebuchadnezzar. The, this is the, the last time that we'll hear from him or about him. Um, today we're going to learn about how the haughty are humbled. Uh, Muhammad Ali is, uh, you know, obviously an uh, amazing boxer. There's all sorts of quotes that are attributed to him. Um, one that stands out in this particular example is is his famous quote of "I'm the greatest," right? The the greatest that ever was, and and uh, the full quote is "I'm the greatest," and I said that even before I knew that I was. <laughs> uh, there's a example of uh, Muhammad Ali where he was on an airplane and he was, um, the, the announcement came on that they needed to put on uh, seat belts because uh, they were coming into some turbulence and he made the statement to the stewardess, Superman doesn't need a seat belt. And the stewardess promptly replied that Superman didn't need a plane either. And so, <laughs> buckle up. <laughs> um, I don't, I don't know what his response to that was, but it uh, <laughs> makes sense. So, so let's stop for a moment and take a look at our own lives. Are there any areas that you can look at in your own life and say, I am, I am completely and solely responsible for, for everything that has come about in this particular area of my life? Are, are there any areas where we can say that? And and I'm going to give you a little cheat in the, the back of the book here. Yes, there, there is an area in your life that you are 100% and completely responsible for. And that is the sinfulness that exists in your life. <laughs> that is all you. <laughs> Every good thing in my life has come from the Father above. Every single accomplishment, every single uh, area, every single blessing, every single point that I would look at in my life and say, say, look at what I did. I have to redirect to the Father above. In James 1.17, every good and perfect gift comes from above and, and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. I love that translation. Our world is so focused on who is the greatest of all time. 
There's this, this constant focus of trying to figure out which, which person in the sporting world, whether it's basketball, baseball, football, uh, track and field, whatever the case may be, who is the greatest of all time? In, in that particular event. And then we, we shift from the sporting world to uh, entertainment, and we look at Hollywood, who's the greatest actor, and, and lifetime achievements, and all of these different things. And, and the, the list could go on and on and on of, of the different areas where we as human beings try to figure out who is the greatest of all time. Uh, C.S. Lewis says that pride is a, a lot like bad breath, that everyone knows you have it except for yourself. Um, <laughs> And I would say that was probably true right up until about 2020 when you started putting a mask on and everybody was like, oh man, I thought everyone else had bad, but it was actually me the whole time. Um, Nobody else had that experience. Uh, (laughs) Through King Nebuchadnezzar's humiliation and then restoration, he learns an important truth that I think maybe some of us today can, can take something from, and that is that God can do whatever he wants whenever he wants to do it. And none of us can stop what God wants to do from coming to pass. Well, that's not super encouraging. <laughs> so, don't, so sometimes, don't you want to feel like you have some semblance of control? I mean, doesn't that, that sometimes you know, crop up in us and say, well, well, I want to be the one in the driver's seat. I mean, can you remember when you were a teenager and you, you know, all of a sudden got to uh, be the person who was driving? Man, you, all that freedom that came with it, all that control that came with it, and then you got into your first fender bender and you're like, oh, maybe I didn't want that. Uh, <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, if we were in control, where would we be? God can do whatever he wants to do whenever he wants to do it. And at the, the end of the passage, um, the, the previous week, we, we studied, there's this message that's given by Daniel to the king after. So the, the king has this dream about the tree. We remember that. And the, the tree was this huge tree that eventually got chopped down and, and just it wasn't a good sign for the king. This was not going to end well. And so first the king goes to everyone in his kingdom except for the man who has been consistently and accurately interpreting his dream. We're trying to figure out, man, is there anybody that can tell me what I want to hear? That this doesn't have to do with me. But everybody's just drawing a blank. And so Daniel finally is, is brought before the king and, and Daniel interprets the dream that the king has had that King, I wish it wasn't so. I wish this was for your enemies and not for you, but it is about you. This means that for seven years, you are going to lose your mind. Basically, you're going to go out into the wilderness. You're going to start eating grass like an animal. The dew is going to fall on you. Your kingdom is going to be taken away until you recognize that there is a God in heaven that is over all things, I'm paraphrasing, that, that there is a God in heaven that is in control above you, that you are not the greatest of all time. The, the verse that comes from Daniel at the very end of, uh, of uh, well, it's not the very end, it's chapter four, verse, um, where'd it go? 27, says, your majesty, be pleased to accept my advice. 
Renounce your sins by doing what is right. And your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It it may be that then your prosperity will continue. Daniel's saying, man, if you just would, would turn and change this behavior, maybe this doesn't have to happen to you. The very first thing we're told in the next verse is 12 months later, as the, the king is on his, his balcony looking out over the kingdom that he, in his mind, has created with, with his own two hands, 12 months later, can you imagine being given a dream taking that dream seriously enough to send for all of the wise men and astrologers in your kingdom and bring them to you. I mean, it doesn't say how many people that is, but I'm guessing it's probably quite a few. Not getting an accurate answer from that group, and so bringing in another one who has accurately interpreted dreams in the past, receiving a judgment from that person directly from God, and then saying, I'll deal with that later. I, I don't need to deal with that today. That's, that's not something that, is, that I need to worry about right now. The, the king procrastinated and refused to change his behavior that Daniel was pleading with him to change for 12 months. Until God's word, God's faithful, unfailing, never changing word came about. Do you ever do that? I do that. There are absolutely times in my life where there, there have been specific instructions that have been given. You probably need to pay attention to this, and you noted. <laughs> oh yeah, I'll, I'll get to that Later. You know, it's always easier to do that, especially when it's something that maybe we don't want to do, right? Because if it's, let's face it, if it's something that's going to, you know, be a benefit to us, well, I want to do that like yesterday. What are the times that we put something off? We put something off when it's going to be uncomfortable, when it's going to bring about, you know, maybe discipline in our life. And it's sometimes when it involves discipline of another person, it's like, man, I I just don't want to be involved in this. But what we see here is that the king is going to be humbled either way. He can either choose to be humbled or the humbling can be done for him. And as we're going through this scripture this morning, you're going to see that that's maybe a choice that we get to make as well. We can choose to be humble or we can be humble before the God of the universe. So one year after being confronted by God in a dream, King Nebuchadnezzar maintains his prideful assumption that he is in charge. Verses 20 through 30 says, All this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar 12 months later as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. He said, Is not this the greatest Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? Ruh-roh. <laughs> 
you know, I think we might be dealing with a pride problem. The, the judgment that had been foretold 12 months prior takes place immediately. God removes the king's sanity and his authority in an instant. It's important to recognize where was the king when he makes this, this proclamation, where he makes this, this declaration that he is the greatest of all time. Where is he? He's, he's on the roof, right, of his, his palace, and he's looking down at, at everything that he has created, right? And where does the voice come from that speaks to him that passes judgment? From heaven. And it's coming down. There's something above the king that's looking down on what he's made. He's on top of his palace looking down on on what he feels are his accomplishments. But as we see in verses 31 going forward, there is still someone above him. 31 says, even as the words were on his lips, a voice came down from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox and seven times will pass for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms of the earth and gives them to anyone that he wishes. And immediately what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from the people. He ate grass like the ox. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and his nails were like the claws of a bird. Claws of birds are gross. I just don't like birds at all. I'm just going to throw that out there. My wife has become an avid duck uh, I don't know what we call this, uh, enthusiast, okay. Um, I cannot stand them. <laughs> I, I love them for uh, what joy they bring to, to the rest of my family, but um, if I can get away without holding them, without touching them, without being in contact with them, that is splendid. Can you run a country looking like King Nebuchadnezzar does right there? I don't think he can. (laughs) And so where was the king when he made this pronouncement? He was on the rooftop looking out at everything that he had made. And the, the voice from heaven comes down. And now where is the king after that judgment has been passed? He's gone from the rooftop to now he is an animal in the fields. This, this vertical transition is kind of important for us to keep an eye on as we go through this, this scripture is the, the verticality and recognizing where King Nebuchadnezzar lands in that. And the reason it's important is because we sometimes need to re-recognize where we fall in that spectrum as well. You thought you were God, Right? This is to King Nebuchadnezzar. You thought you were God, but I am going to make you less than a man until you recognize who the greatest of all time really is. And so some people, when they look at this, they say, well, well, goodness, this, 
Was this like a medical issue? Did he have like some disease that came on him? Was this a mental problem? Like, did he just have like a total mental breakdown? Was, was there, you know, just a demon possession taking place? And I think we would probably say yes to like all of the above more than likely. <laughs> I, I think it is very safe to say that there is a medical, mental, and spiritual component taking place. When people start acting in ways that are completely outside the norm, should they go to a doctor? Should they go to a therapist? Or should they go to a pastor? Yes, they should probably do all three. There are, are areas that can overlap in a lot of different ways. We've talked about that before, how physical health can, can have problems that then manifest in spiritual ways and vice versa. I do know that whether it's a medical, spiritual, or mental issue, that God should be included as part of the solution. And whether it's medication or or simply not staying up all night eating chips and watching Netflix, you know, something needs to be done to, to go forward. And I can tell you this, a medical prescription was not what the king needed in, in this particular case. Now, does that mean that a medical prescription is never what's needed? No, not at all. That's not what I'm saying. But in this particular case, I can tell you that the medical prescription wasn't going to solve the problem. You, you could come up with the best drug cocktail in the world, and that wasn't going to fix the problem. The king needed to submit himself to God Almighty is what needed to happen. That was the only way for him to get right. And so after seven years living like a crazy man out in the wilderness, King Nebuchadnezzar is brought back after he makes this proclamation that we're going to read in verse 34 through 37. It says, at the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven. Again, notice that vertical relationship. He has gone from being down in in the the dirt, in the the grass, to now raising his eyes to heaven, recognizing that there is someone above him. He raises his eyes to heaven, and my sanity was restored. And then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. I love this, this particular proclamation here. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing, He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? And at the same time that my sanity was restored, my honor and splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out and I was restored to my throne and became an even greater king than I was before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven because everything he does is right and all his ways are just and those who walk in pride he is able to humble. Man, don't you want a king like that? And, and that is the last thing we hear from that king. You know, we don't know anything else. I I would love to think that one day when I am in heaven, I will get to meet King Nebuchadnezzar. I mean, 
It's the song that we just sang, all I once held dear and built my life upon. All all this world thinks is important and wars to take advantage and and ownership of everything I thought gain, I have now counted loss for the sake of knowing you. That's what this king is saying. That, that vertical relationship has been corrected and restored. And he now recognizes there is someone who is the greatest of all time, and it's not me. Picture a U.S. president who is completely sound mind one day. found on the the front lawn of the White House eating grass, their hair growing long, their fingernails becoming like eagle's claws. Do you think he would get his job back? (laughs) No. And, And especially, you know, let's ignore term limits for just a minute. Okay, seven years, I get that. But let's just say there weren't term limits for a minute. Why would anybody go back to that king and be like, hey, come on back, the water's fine? I mean, if I'm you know, part of that little decision-making process, it's like, guys, I feel like we have some better choices here. I feel like there's got to be somebody who's, that we can tap that maybe hasn't spent the last seven years hanging out in a cave, eating grass. This is why God does what he does and I'm not God. God is at work here. What we see here is that God will not tolerate someone attempting to steal his glory. And the, the Bible is full of examples. Satan started as an angel but became prideful. God cast him out and now he is low. Now he's in hell. Adam and Eve wanted to be like God, so they ate from the the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and God removes them from the Garden of Eden, and they have separation that exists between them and God. The Tower of Babel, the the people want to build a tower to show how great they are, to, to reach heaven, the Bible says, and what happens? God brings them low. Goliath insults the God of heaven and is killed by a kid with some rocks. King Uzziah, this is an interesting one, 2 Chronicles 26. Uzziah was marvelously helped until he became strong. And it says when he became strong, he became proud to his own destruction. Sometimes the things that we boast about are the things that we didn't even earn. Sometimes the things that we try to take credit for are the things that we had no involvement in in accomplishing. As you you stop for a moment and you look at your accomplishments and say, man, I I, I have worked for everything that I have. 
You don't understand, Matt. I went to school for like 10 years to get the job that, that I, I have now. And, and with that job, I, I've worked so many hours every single day to, to make the money that I needed to buy the house that I had, plus the, the car that I wanted and all of these different things. Did God give you the ability to work? Did he give you the knowledge to, to learn the things that you needed to learn? Did he put you in the situations to take advantage of those things? You bet he did. He gave you every good and perfect gift. Sometimes the things that we boast about are the things that we didn't even earn. What we see is that a prideful gaze at the accomplishments that exist in my life will never allow me to be in awe of what God has done. They will never allow me to humbly be in awe of God's glory. C.S. Lewis has another quote, that pride is the complete anti-God state of mind. If pride exists in my life, if, if pride exists, is something that that is taking place, how can I move past that and, and recognize God's blessing if I'm so focused on what I have done? We come back to this point that God can do whatever he wants to do whenever he wants to do it. And you know, I mentioned before, sometimes we want to be in that control. We want to be in the driver's seat. We want to be the ones that, that are in charge. And sometimes it can feel scary to, to give up that control. But what I can tell you is it can also be freeing. It can also be so refreshing to recognize that I don't have to be the one in charge. And, and when all of the storms of life that I don't have any control over are happening around me, I can still rest secure knowing that there is a God in heaven who is the greatest of all time looking out for the very best. That's the, the alternative to me trying to be in control of all things and failing. So when it comes to application, if we look at the blessings that exist in our life as gifts from God rather than personal accomplishments, we can say, God, thank you for the blessings that you have given us. We can set aside our pursuit, like the, the king was pursuing something. He was pursuing his own greatness. He was pursuing his own significance. He was pursuing his own legacy. If we set aside the pursuit of my greatness, if I stop trying to build my kingdom, if we use the, I mean, that's kind of a churchy term, but that's literally what King Nebuchadnezzar was doing is he was trying to build his kingdom. We try to build our kingdoms. 
Make no mistake about it. There is constant times where, where I'm having to remind myself, it has nothing to do with me. My kingdom really is insignificant for the, the sake of knowing Jesus Christ. And so if I give up the pursuit of my kingdom, say, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. If I relinquish the sinful pursuit of my own significance, what is the alternative? Proclaiming Christ's significance in my life today. Another application point. We already talked about it. You can either humble yourself or God will do it for you. I mean, just stop for a moment and think. King Nebuchadnezzar gave up seven years of his life, seven years with his family, seven years shaping and, and participating with God and, and changing and directing the flow of history because make no mistake, the Babylonian Empire was very much involved in that at the time. He gave up seven years of that so that there could be a, a correction in his vertical perspective. Wouldn't it have been easier if King Nebuchadnezzar was just like, you know, you're right, Daniel. Maybe, maybe I should recognize that I, I'm not the greatest, that, that there is a God over, over me and over my kingdom and over all the kingdoms of the earth. And, and you know, this morning I am submitting myself to him. Well, sure, you know, it's easy for us to look at him and say, have we done that today <laughs> in the areas that, that we're dealing with in our lives? Maybe not. But, but it's so much better to look at the cost that comes with that choice, right? And what we see at the, the very end of this interaction with King Nebuchadnezzar. You know, there is never once a time where King Nebuchadnezzar, you know, looks back at, with regret. You know, it, he doesn't look at, oh man, you know, this could have been so much better. Why did I do it this way? And he, he doesn't dwell in the fact that he was disciplined or that this correction took place in his life. Instead, he is focusing on the fact that his relationship and his standing with God as it stands today is in a right place. And that's the focus. Yeah, I, I had problems before. This had to come about in my life to, to correct it. And now this is the relationship that I have with God today. And, you know, let's take note for just a moment. It wasn't just that King Nebuchadnezzar had this, you know, little personal moment that nobody really got to hear about. It's recorded in the Bible. People read the Bible. We're still reading the Bible today. So... Millions of people are aware of this personal correction. But King Nebuchadnezzar in, in that moment is recognizing that his standing with God is more important than, than anything that existed before. All I once thought gain, counted loss for the sake of knowing you. 
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time, God. We, we ask that you would, would bring those areas in our life to mind, God, those areas in our life where we maybe have allowed pride to come forth and, and we are, are looking at our own accomplishments and the, the kingdoms that we have built, saying, look at what we have done. God, we ask that right now, today, in this moment, that you would correct us and that you would, would bring us back to that point of recognizing that Everything that I have, everything that, every accomplishment that exists in my life is, is due to your greatness, is due to who you are and what you have done in my life. All I once thought gain, I have counted loss for the sake of knowing you. God, there is no greater thing. Holy Spirit, we ask that right now, in this moment, you would work in your people. I want to know that the legacy that is left behind in my life is a legacy that points to Jesus. Not a legacy that points to myself. God, we come this morning and we thank you for the gifts and for the blessings that you have given. God, we are truly, truly blessed. You know, we may not be kings and queens over kingdoms, but God, that we are, are no less richly blessed with the, the relationships that we have, with the, the resources, the homes, the, the vehicles, God, what, the list could go on and on. Even the place that we live, the country that we live in, God, we are richly blessed. And God, we acknowledge that blessing, and this morning we proclaim that it has nothing to do with who we are, but has everything to do with your grace. God, as we move to our time of ministry, I just ask that you would continue to do a work in us as we, we dwell on these areas of our life that, that may need to be redirected or repointed. God, help us not to feel condemnation. Help us to feel joy that you are now Lord over all, that you are the greatest of all time, that, that if there is an area that needs correction, that we correct and that we move on and recognize you are who you say you are. As we move to our, our prayer time, God, we do lift up this vacation Bible school that is going to be happening here in this place. God, we ask that you would use this as a time to transform the children of this city. God, that this would be a time where, where children learn about you and they bring that knowledge back to their families and family relationships are, are renewed and restored and redirected to you. God, we ask that you would move in the lives of these kids, that you would reveal yourselves to them, that they would, would come away with a real clear understanding that God loves them and wants the very best for them. We know that you will supply everything that is needed. You will supply the, the kids that need to come. You will supply the workers that, that need to be available. You will supply every resource. God, I ask that we would make ourselves available to be used, available to be part of this amazing opportunity 
again to see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like more information about Wood Street Chapel, check out our website, woodstreetchapel.org, or email us, info at woodstreetchapel.org. Connect with us on Facebook to stay in the loop. 